What happened was this. I thought we were here to have a good time, not talk about some random question of ethics. But it's such a fundamental concept. See, I don't like trouble. You know Angel's policy on trouble. Hmm. Are you okay? You don't look so good. Mr. Jackson says that I'm fine. No one deserves this. Who can say? I'm not sure that we're the right ones to judge in a situation like this. I could now hear a very strange hum coming from the building. Not exactly electric or supernatural, but certainly something that did not sound like it should be coming from a supposedly abandoned building. Marcus Little? Sarah? Yes, let's go. It's just... What? You sound... Sound? I mean, you don't... Don't what? What? Excuse me, I'm just nervous about being seen in public. I know a place where we can go and talk. I'm just not... Want to be indecisive your whole life, or do you want to make some dough? The Adventures of Marcus Little. Tall Tales and Small Rewards. A Supernatural Radio Noir from Mid-Valley Mutations and Pecho Grande Films. Starring Jason Ramey, Emma Pace Jonas, and Jessica Ramey. Featured in the cast are Travis Stone, William R. Harris, Jill Honstein, Little Theodore, Tim Maloney, Jeff Parks, Annabella Ramey, Sean Royal, Stella Starr Schaefer, Jesse Sutherland, Kelly Taylor, Dash Thompson, David the Weatherman Wills, and Heather Sykowski. The Adventures of Marcus Little, Tall Tales and Small Rewards, a supernatural radio noir. From July 29th to September 2nd, tune in to klfm.org in beautiful Split, Croatia at 12 a.m. CET or 3 p.m. PST to hear The Adventures of Marcus Little in six small installments, all part of the Mid-Valley Mutations presentation. Visit MarcusLittleAdventures.com for more information. Meanwhile... You're listening to klfm.org in beautiful Split, Croatia. Wow. We, we managed to get camp set. Fire's going good. Nobody's broken anything. or I think we even ate. There is that tent flap. I still don't know what that's for. I think that's like a window. You know? I think that's just, you know, it's just one of the windows. What ifs? We do have a shortwave radio going, so 503-990-6101. If you want to join us around the campfire, you can tell stories and... What not? Think I might dip into that Brodigan book a little later. Oh, you brought that? Yeah, you know. Trout fishing seems appropriate. For this time of year. I didn't bring a book. I got some others, actually. I brought a few. 
I mean... Hold on, I'll, I'll, I'll get them. They're just over here somewhere. What? I found the checklist. No, you didn't. Yeah, no, it's right here. Checklist. Tent, oh. steaks, poles, seasoning for steak. Huh. It was with the books. We should have unpacked it first. Uh, yeah. Uh, but that's neither here nor there. I have um, The Man Who Shook the Earth, a Doc Savage adventure. Oh, yeah? And uh, The Curse of the Two-Headed Bull. Well, why don't you just read it out loud? Then I won't feel so bad that I didn't bring a book. I could do that. I'm kind of in the middle of it. Is that is that cool? Uh, yeah, whatever. You know? Yeah, 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 yeah. He seems to have looked up my address here in town, Doc announced. The bronze man fingered the radiogram envelope. He evidently carried something which he had in his envelope. Whoever killed him took it. This John Aker was supposed to have sent you the radiogram, Doc, said Monk. Do you reckon maybe this radio operator didn't send them? That would explain our not getting them, Doc replied. But why should he hold them up? And why should he come here to the office with them? Was he slain to get them? And who killed him? Ham finished the mystery, giving his sword cane a flourish. Rennie was standing near the open door. Holy! Oh, uh, Rennie's like one of the people that works with Doc Savage's crew. He's got like a group of people that oh, yeah. hang out together. Um, Sorry, yeah. Yeah, anyway, uh, Rennie, he's standing near the open door. Holy cow, he boomed unexpectedly. Come here and look at this. Rennie was not in the habit of showing excitement without reason. He was certainly excited now. The men sprang to his side and stared through the open door. Astonishment pulled their eyes wide open. There were men hardened to horror, but they stared there. Was not one who did not feel as if there was an invisible ant crawling on his flesh. Ew. Yeah, I guess that's a little too real with all the insects around us. Hmm. I mean, come to think of it. Yeah. Actually, do you got that bug spray lying around here somewhere? Uh, is that on a checklist? Check the checklist to see if the checklist checks. If what? there's a check next to it on the checklist, then you know that the bug spray is around somewhere. I I don't see bug spray written on the checklist. It's so. not even on the checklist? I, I think we, we didn't. How can you check the checkbox next to the checklist item? If the item itself isn't even on the checklist, I hmm. Uh, uh, I guess we, we we wrecked ourselves before we checked ourselves. <laughs> yeah, sometimes that happens. Well, at least we got a campfire going, and so maybe we can get a little more of that uh, a little more of that uh, magic campfire juice going. Yeah. Are you sure we have enough wood? I think we got enough wood for now. This is going to get us at least through the night. The night. What if bears come? 
Well, um, we'll tell them that we're friends with Yogi. Oh, yeah? And I'll tell them that uh, my teeth hurt quite a bit, and that uh, maybe they need to go to the dentist, and that'll take care of their pain or something. <sighs> There's still too many frogs. A little bit. There definitely seems to be less of them. Oh, you know, um, let's see. Oh, this is a good song on the shortwave. Nice. You know what I'm saying? Fuck out, man. Ow! Another mosquito. It's like two stations tuning at once, man. How does it do that? You got a weird radio, man. It's creepy. It's one of those mid-valley radios. It's all mutated and stuff. Holy guacamole! Digital Mountain? Digital? That ain't natural.
This cave's got some weird sounds. Um, it's kind of creepy. It's like a creepy cave. I'm kind of into this, though. I want to keep exploring for a little bit. That would make you a spelunker. You sure you want to be a spelunker? I think I can cope with that. I'm just going to hang out sing folk songs or something. Sounds good. You go down in there, if, you know, if you get lost in there forever, let me know. Oh, maybe it's like one of those Luke Skywalker situations? Oh, where you, you like meet yourself? Yeah, 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 yeah. But maybe it can be like more of a Borges kind of thing where you meet myself, but like from a different time period and like we hang out for a little while. Yeah. You know, talk about like, you know, what we used to do when we were younger that was stupid and how we wish we'd grown up better, that kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, yeah, you you do that. I mean, you 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 come with if you want. Nah, man. Okay. I gonna sing folk songs by the fire here and keep the bears away. You know, you said Yogi Bear might show up. That's true. I want to be here to meet him.
Nature seems to be having trouble getting started. Yeah. Did, did you try uh, flooding it a little bit with like you, you use the pedal and? Oh, almost had it. I gotta get started again. We were having such a groovy time. Sounds better. Definitely one of the weirder campsites we've we've ever stayed at. Yeah. What's the name of this place again? Big Rock Candy Mountain. Oh right, right. Named after the song. Probably, probably. Oh hey, I think uh Oh yeah, this is good, this is good. Check it out uh, uh, over there. Uh, I think uh, Ranger Smith is uh, about ready to put the smack down. Oh yeah? Oh! It is Yogi Bear! Every summer, thousands of pleasure-seeking tourists head for the great outdoor playgrounds of America. And the favorite spot is this wonderland of nature called Jellystone National Park. But while these eager beaver motorists are trying to get into beautiful Jellystone Park, one rugged individualist is trying to get out. I have had it, Boo-Boo. I'm gonna bust out of here. How come, Yogi? Every day it's the same old thing. Look at the bears, look at the bears, look at the bears. Sheesh. Hey, Pop! Look at the bears, look at the bears, look at the bears! See what I mean, Boo-Boo? What you gonna do about it, Yogi? I am gonna get out of this park. But how are you gonna get past the ranger, Yogi? I will use strategy, Boo-Boo. Watch this. Not gonna work. Short trip, huh, Yogi? I'm still gonna break out of here. You'll see. Stop that car! Come back here, you! You're listening to klfm.org in beautiful Split, Croatia. Enjoy the park, madam. Heavens, yes, handsome. <laughs> I loved it. He's it's not going to get away with this. Oh, that's... Wait, no. Stop that trailer! <laughs> 
Oh, Yogi. See, if that didn't get me into the Who concert, then that's not going to work for Yogi. Right? I gotta prove I'm smarter than the average ranger. Hold it! Hold it! We do not allow bear hunting in the park, sir. Bear hunting? Who's bear hunting? Uh-uh. I get the... What? This is the Morgan family coming home from the lake. Oh, no. Ed and Marilyn have been married 12 years. That's Kelly, Sue, and Casey in the back seat. Okay. They've driven this road a dozen times before, and nothing ever happened. But today is different. Today, Ed will become a killer. And here's his weapon. A mighty careful man in his own home. He can't imagine how anyone could have been so careless. Ed Morgan, every man, anyone who handles fire in any form is a potential killer. Anyone can start a fire and never even know it. Please be very careful with fire, please. Only you can prevent forest fires. with nature is at the core of any good camping trip. However, most of the time, nature is not interested in getting personal with you. Mid-Valley. Are you ready for the great outdoors? Mutations. Safety is always of the utmost importance when going on a trip of this kind. And when it comes to nature, it's better to be safe than sorry. certainly feel that evening kind of setting in. Yeah, it's getting relaxing and stuff, and maybe I'll just nod off here. Then again... Oh! What was that? Um... You know what that is? No. Do you know that sound? Yes, that's raccoons. They're gonna get in all our food. And my pain meds, too, I can tell. Oh, God. I was just going to hang on this tooth and... Tonight, uh, you know, it may be possible that um, some other line of mammals might take over this pursuit of advanced consciousness from the primate line, eventually. And um, my candidate for the next quantum leap in evolution is the Prokeon line, otherwise known as raccoons. There's a little coin that uh, starts at least with raccoons. 
She's asleep in the black of the bed. From outside this dream room comes a clatter, comes a clatter. And finally, the mind rises up to a fact like a fish to a hook. A raccoon's in the kitchen. A falling of metal bowls. The clashing of jars. Avalanches, plates. I snap alive to this ritual. Rise, unsteady, find my feet, grab the stick, dash in the dark. I'm a huge, pounding demon that roars at raccoons. They whip around the corner. A scratching sound tells me they've gone up a tree. I stand at the base. Two young ones that perch on two dead stub limbs and peer down from both sides of the trunk. Roar! Roar! I roar! You awful raccoons! You wake me up nights! You ravage our kitchen! As I stay there, then silent, the chill of the air on my nakedness starts off the skin. I'm all alive to the night. Barefoot, sleeping on gravel, stick in the hand forever. A long streak of cloud giving way to a milky thin light, back of black pine bough. The moon is still full. Hillsides of pine trees all whispering. Crickets still cricketing, faint in cold coves in the dark. I turn and walk slow back the path to the beds with goosebumps and loose waving hair. In the night, a thin, milk moonlit thin cloud glow and black rustling pines I feel like a dandelion head gone to seed, about to be blown all away. Or a sea anemone, open and waving in dim, moonlit water. Almost 50 years old, I still spend my time screwing nuts down on bolts. At the shadow pool, children are sleeping and a lover I've lived with for years. True night, one cannot stay too long awake in this dark. Dusty feet, hair tangling, I stoop and slip back to the sheath for the sleep I still need, for the waking that comes every day with the dawn. She needs off. It's the mosquito repellent that really works. And here's proof. Look at those hungry mosquitoes go for this research man's arm. 
Now, a quick application of off. And look, they don't bite. They don't even like. Yes, with off insect repellent, they don't bite. They don't even like. So get OFF, off, the insect repellent that really works. A note on the camping craze that is currently sweeping America. As much as anything else, the Coleman Lantern is the symbol of the camping craze that is currently sweeping America. With its unholy white light burning in the forests of America. Last summer, a Mr. Norris was drinking at a bar in San Francisco. It was Sunday night, and he'd had six or seven. Turning to the guy at the next stool, he said, What are you up to? Just having a few, the guy said. That's what I'm doing, Mr. Norris said. I like it. I know what you mean, the guy said. I had to lay off for a couple of years. I'm just starting up again. What was wrong, Mr. Norris said. I had a hole in my liver, the guy said. In your liver? Yeah. The doctor said it was big enough to wave a flag in. It's better now. I can have a couple once in a while. I'm not really supposed to, but uh, yeah, it won't kill me. Well, I'm 32 years old, Mr. Norris said. I've had three wives, and I can't remember the names of my children. The guy on the next stool, like a bird on the next island, took a sip from his scotch and soda. The guy liked the sound of the alcohol in his drink. He put the glass back on the bar. That's no problem, he said to Mr. Norris. The best thing I know for remembering the names of children from previous marriages is to go out camping. Try a little trout fishing. Trout fishing is one of the best things in the world for remembering children's names. Is that right? Mr. Norris said. Yeah, the guy said. That sounds like an idea, Mr. Norris said. I've got to do something. Sometimes I think one of them is named Carl, but that's just impossible. My third ex hated the name Carl. You try some camping and some trout fishing, the guy on the next stool said, and you'll remember the names of your unborn children. Carl! Carl! Your mother wants you, Mr. Norris yelled as a kind of joke. Then he realized that it wasn't very funny. He was getting there. He'd have a couple more, and then his head would always fall forward and hit the bar like a gunshot. He'd always miss his glass, so he wouldn't cut his face. His head would always jump up and look startled around the bar, people staring at it. He'd get up then and take it home. The next morning, Mr. Norris went down to the sporting goods store and charged his equipment. He charged a nine by nine foot dry finish tent with an aluminum center pole. Then he charged an Arctic sleeping bag filled with either down and a, with either, with, with down, and an air mattress with an air pillow to go with the sleeping bag. He also charged an air alarm clock to go along with the idea of night and waking up in the morning as well. He charged a two-burner Coleman stove and a Coleman lantern and a folding aluminum table and a big set of interlocking aluminum cookware and a portable icebox. The last things he charged were his fishing tackle and a bottle of insect repellent. He left the next day for the mountains. Hours later, when he arrived in the mountains, 
The first 16 campgrounds he stopped at were filled with people. He was a little surprised. He had no idea the mountains would be so crowded. At the 17th campground, a man had just died of a heart attack, and the ambulance attendants were take, taking down his tent. They lowered the center pole and then pulled up the corner stakes. They folded the tent neatly and put it in the back of the ambulance, right beside the man's body. They drove off down the road, leaving behind them in the air a cloud of brilliant white dust. The dust looked like light from a Coleman lantern. Mr. Norris pitched his tent right there and set up all his equipment and soon had it all going at once. After he finished eating a dehydrated beef stroganoff dinner, he turned off all his equipment with a master air switch and went to sleep, for it was now dark. It was about midnight when they brought the body and placed it beside the tent, less than a foot away from where Mr. Norris was sleeping in his Arctic sleeping bag. He was awakened when they brought the body. They weren't exactly the quietest body bringers in the world. Mr. Norris could see the bulge in the, of the body against the side of the tent. The only thing that separated him from the body was a thin layer of six ounce, six ounce water resistant and mildew resistant dry finish, green Amphorlex poplin. Mr. Norris unzipped his sleeping bag and went outside with a gigantic hound-like flashlight. He saw the body bringers walking down the path towards the creek. Hey, you guys, Mr. Norris shouted. Come back here. You forgot something. What do you mean? One of them said. Right now. They both look very sheepish, caught in the teeth of the flashlight. You know what I mean, Mr. Morris said. Mr. Norris said, right now. The body bringers shrugged their shoulders looked at each other, and then reluctantly went back, dragging their feet like children all the way. They picked up the body. It was heavy, and one of them had trouble getting a hold of the feet. That one said, kind of hopelessly, to Mr. Norris, You won't change your mind about the body? Good night and goodbye, Mr. Norris said. They went off down the path toward the creek, carrying the body between them. Mr. Norris turned his flashlight off, and he could hear them stumbling over the rocks along the bank of the creek. He could hear them swearing at each other. He heard one of them say, Hold your end up. Then he couldn't hear anything else after that. About ten minutes later, he saw all sorts of lights go on at another campsite down the creek. He heard a distant voice shouting, The answer is no! You already woke up the kids. They have to have their rest. We're going on a four-mile hike tomorrow up Fishconch Lake. Try someone else for that body. Wow, what the heck was that? It's a selection of Trout Fishing in America by Richard Brodigan. Oh, yeah? He used to live in Eugene. Oh, yeah? Yeah. I don't think he wrote this while he was in Eugene, but... Oh, okay. Huh. Yeah. It's pretty good. Well, uh, that was great for story time. Yeah. I think the shortwave radio still works, so if... Uh, People want to join us around the campfire here. Five zero three nine nine zero six one zero one. Maybe I should make sure that fire's going. Uh. There we go.
wind's kicking up a little bit. At least it's not the rain from back in Salem. Yeah, anything's better than that. Oh yeah, we were gonna jam out, weren't we? The wolves are howling. Clementine. Just like old Clementine. Kumbaya. Down the Shenandoah Trail. Yeah, I remember those things. Don't it. Heading out west. Trying to make a living. Poking doggies. See, it's a little strange, but I think I see somebody coming over to our camp. It's, if I'm not mistaken, it's Ken Carson. How's it going, Ken? I think he's got a song for us. Oh, that's very nice, Ken. Thanks. In a cavern in a canyon excavating for a mine well the miner 49er and his daughter clementine like she was like a feather and her shoes were number nine carrying boxes without topses sandals were for clementine oh my darling Oh, my darling, oh, my darling Clementine, thou art lost and gone forever, dreadful sorry Clementine. You're listening to KLFM.org in beautiful split Croatia. Foaming brine, ruby lips, a 
above the water, blowing bubbles soft and fine. Alas for me, I was no swimmer, so I lost my clementine. Oh my darling, oh my darling, oh my darling clementine. There are lost and gone forever, dreadful sorry clementine. sweet thank you Ken the dogs are even singing along with that one or perhaps just reacting yeah well it, yeah, and you have a nice evening yourself Ken you can't camp well down the road well we've had a lot of oh joy a little twig has grown to treehood standing on its own oh, and now our tree's well-being depends on Smokey Bear and all his friends to guard its life and limb from fire and keep it growing ever higher to see the fire never catches smokey's friends don't play with matches and that was really all right chipmunks let's do smokey bears well, abc chipmunks oh, too alvin simon Trust all smoke out. please only you can prevent forest fires that is such excellent advice. Especially when you get both Smokey and Alvin and the Chipmunks together in one dose. So that was that was really good. And Rod Serling earlier. Yeah. There's all sorts of fun stuff happening out this at this like campsite. Celebrity campsite. I know. We should come out to this one more often, I'm thinking. It's just it seems the way to go. Oh, wait a minute. Do we have the uh Oh, there it is. Oh. Shortwave radio, which I think means maybe the com weather computer's trying to call in. Let's. I would like to know yeah. what the weather's going to be. Hold on a second. Weather computer, is that you? Thank you, Austin. Are you reading me? Over. Yeah, we, we, we've, we've been through this weather computer. That's Yes, we, we, we got a signal. We're, 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 we've connected. Well, I don't know. Man, you two are so far out. How would I know if you are getting my signal? Hey, okay. I'm sorry, I just, you know... Can, can you just do the weather? You try to show a little love, and then... Come on. Anyway, 
This is the Mid-Valley Mutations Weather Computer, and here is a look at the local weather, brought to you by the Great Outdoors. If you do volunteer with the U.S. Forest Service, you could help manage campgrounds, build trails, serve as a fire lookout, run events, and serve in science projects. The list goes on and on. Your help could make your forest that much more fun. If you want to get involved and volunteer with the U.S. Forest Service, go to fs.fed.us for more information. Tonight, showers early, then partly cloudy overnight. Low near 35 degrees. I don't care how scenic it is, that much rain is not worth it for any camping trip. Winds south by southwest at 5 to 10 miles per hour. Chance of rain 80%. Sunrise at 7.01 a.m. Tomorrow. Cloudy with showers. High of 47 degrees. Aren't you two nerds? Wouldn't you prefer some tabletop role-playing? Come on. Winds what? south by southwest at 5 to 10 miles per hour. Chance of rain 50%. And that was a look at the local weather, brought to you by the weather computer, and the great outdoors. Yes, we like to joke and kid on this program, but we can't enjoy the benefits of this great land if we don't take care of it. Hopefully Austin and Zeres are still getting my signal. Let's get back to them and Mid-Valley Mutations. During a trip of this nature, it is sometimes difficult to resist the urge to bring nature back home with you. However, this must be resisted at all costs. Mid-Valley. Are you ready for the great outdoors? Mutations. As with working in radio, it is always best to leave the studio, like the forest, in the same state that you found it. Is it raining? Just a little sprinkle. Nothing to worry about. You know, my teeth always swell up every time it rains. This is going to be great. No, no. Attitude. If you make the decision, you got to be a happy camper. Yeah. Well, you know, we still have a shortwave radio going, so if anyone wants to try to gather around the campfire with us for a few more minutes, 503-990-6101. Uh, what else do you want to do before bedtime, Zeris? Uh, weren't we going to make s'mores? Oh, yeah. Let me uh, stoke that fire back up. There you go. Keep trying. There we go. Ta-da!
right, here's some graham crackers. Mmm. Don't eat them all. We gotta put chocolate and do the marshmallow thing, you know. I just want one, one cracker. One well, cracker. I know what you want. That's nothing to do with what we're supposed to do. Wait. Where's the marshmallows? I only had one. You only brought one marshmallow? No, I only ate one. They're, they're, the bag's around here somewhere. Oh. Not in the tent, I hope. I'll check. You know, if you leave stuff in there, the bears will come. No, it, it, it's it's still there. All right, we'll bring it. Oh, here, here it is. Is there anything else you need from the tent? Because I'm, I'm over here. I've got the door open. Uh, chocolate? Is the chocolate here? I don't know. Is the chocolate on the checklist? <laughs> I'm going to checklist you when we get home. Okay, chocolate, marshmallows, beer. Do you want, beer? Do you want some of this moonshine I brought? Uh, okay. Okay. Moonshine, chocolate, graham uh, crackers. Uh, olives? No, no. Um, pepperoni? No, wait, wait, wait. Chocolate? Okay, so first you toast the marshmallow. Yeah. But you have the graham cracker ready with the chocolate on it. This isn't your first camping trip, is it? Well, I mean, it's been a while, but it's not like we usually make s'mores. No, that's true, that's true. We, we, we usually don't. We, we're usually asleep by now. Maybe that's why I can't remember the ingredients. In spite of my throbbing tooth and the tent flap being kind of funky. Yeah, that is funky. What's the deal with that? Uh, I think we're I think we're doing pretty good actually, all things considered. Yeah, yeah. Okay, never mind. I just have to not think about it and I'm okay. Well, it'll only get to our tent if we get more rain. But, 
I mean... No, it, yeah. no. Not out here. Uh, it's the wilderness. It's the Big Rock Candy Mountain. Well, you know, I guess we should probably kind of wind things down. I'm going to send out a, a last little message here on the shortwave. Okay. There we go. Yeah, this has been Mid-Valley Mutations. We went camping. With the uh, Zeries of Zeron. Yep. And, uh... We had the little shortwave, so we've been kind of relaying this back to the KMUZ studios, and then, uh... to the greater Salem area. It's nice to get away from it all once in a while. MidValleyMutations.com, you can check out the show notes, get all sorts of information about past episodes. You can find the other shows that we've done together, Zeris and I. There's a nice little grip of them at this point. You know, I think we've done quite a few now. We've covered a lot of ground. Yeah. Some sort of completely unrelated ground. Yeah. Sort of like, I can't relate to the ground under my feet. Because there's all this water coming up. Hmm. Well. Is that it? Alright, we got a tarp, you know. We just, here, take this corner, put it up over here, get some rope, some duct tape. We'll be fine. We're happy campers. Yeah, happy. Saw a cooler floating by. I'll start swimming after it. it had our beer and our marshmallows and stuff in it. I know. And you know what? Look at these chocolate bars. Ra raccoon tooth marks all through and through them. Sad little song. Thank you.
you know, and that's how I feel about it. All this wonderful cabbing experience, and what's it do? Rains on our parade. Our parade, you know. I mean, we had. Well, there were all those weird animals. It's true. I could have done without them because you, know, you didn't know what they were going to do to you. I think this might be a, a good time for us to start uh, calling it a night. Uh, really? You just want to pack it up, give up? No, uh, I, I mean, we'll go, we'll go to sleep and try to see things better in the morning. I don't know. The river's coming up. I don't know, man. Maybe we should just throw everything in the car. Go back to civilization. Oh, well. Oh, is that you? Are you? I thought it was a bear. You're just snoring. Or is it? stopped as soon as you woke up. Uh, yeah, um, where are we? It's raining? Yeah. Hmm. Camping? That's uh, right, we had s'mores. Well, we tried to have s'mores. Hmm. Okay. Um, yeah, this is, uh, this is not working. Maybe we should go home. It's like my left foot is in a puddle. Yeah. And there's pine cones under my back. Yeah, it's, it's 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 time time to go home. All right, let's get out of here. Mid Valley mutations. You're listening to KLFM.org in beautiful Split, Croatia. What happened was this. I thought we were here to have a good time, not talk about some random question of ethics. But it's such a fundamental concept. See, I don't like trouble. You know Angel's policy on trouble. Mm. Are you okay? You don't look so good. Mr. Jackson says that I'm fine. No one deserves this. Who can say? I'm not sure that we're the right ones to judge in a situation like this. I could now hear a very strange hum coming from the building. Not exactly electric or supernatural, but certainly something that did not sound like it should be coming from a supposedly abandoned building. Marcus Little? Sarah? Yes. 
let's go. It's just... What? You sound... Sound? I mean, you don't... Don't what? What? Excuse me, I'm just nervous about being seen in public. I know a place where we can go and talk. I'm just not... Want to be indecisive your whole life, or do you want to make some dough? The Adventures of Marcus Little. Tall Tales and Small Rewards. A Supernatural Radio Noir from Mid-Valley Mutations and Pecho Grande Films. Starring Jason Ramey, Emma Pace Jonas, and Jessica Ramey. Featured in the cast are Travis Stone, William R. Harris, Jill Honstein, Little Theodore, Tim Maloney, Jeff Parks, Annabella Ramey, Sean Royal, Stella Starr Schaefer, Jesse Sutherland, Kelly Taylor, Dash Thompson, David the Weatherman Wills, and Heather Sykowski. The Adventures of Marcus Little, Tall Tales and Small Rewards, a Supernatural Radio Noir. From July 29th to September 2nd, tune in to klfm.org in beautiful Split, Croatia at 12 a.m. CET or 3 p.m. PST to hear The Adventures of Marcus Little in six small installments. All part of the Mid-Valley Mutations presentation. Visit MarcusLittleAdventures.com for more information.
Time now for Rocky Jordan. Not far from the mosque Sultan Hassan in Cairo stands the Café Tambourine, run by Rocky Jordan. The Café Tambourine, crowded with forgotten men, alive with the babble of many languages. For this is Cairo, where modern adventure and intrigue unfold against the backdrop of antiquity. Tonight's story, The Coward of Muta Khan. I get all kinds of customers in the tambourine. Sailors on leave and salesmen on the prowl. Guide tours looking for atmosphere and girls with atmosphere looking for guide tours. A lot of Egyptians turned European and now and then a European turned native. No matter who they are or where they come from, they're all looking for a drink. And that's why I never expect to see a Muslim in the tambourine. They don't drink and they don't plan on making a lot of conversation with anybody who does. So it's no wonder I raised an eyebrow the other night when I spotted one making his way through the crowd. A little dark-haired man in a red burnoose. But he wasn't looking for whiskey, he was looking for me. Ah, you are the offended Jordan. I was told you could be found here. My name is Rinchi Abel from the house of the Sheikh Ali Ben Lekerk. Oh, yes, I've heard of him, Rinchi. The Sheikh begs you attend him immediately, without delay. Sheikh Ali Ben Lekerk wants to see me? Yes. Oh, no. You must be mistaken. There is no mistake, Effendi. Please, allow me to escort you to his home. What's it all about? A matter of most grave import. I beg you, accompany me now. And I did. If I didn't have any other reason, I wanted to get a look at the man who was almost a legend around Cairo. Sheikh Ali ben Lekerk. They tell me that years ago, when he was out in the desert, he made war with the French and British and Italians and Germans and anybody else who came along. Finally, everybody figured it was a lot cheaper to get along with him. So they gave him a big house in Cairo with a lot of administration work in the provinces and outposts. And the government made a good bargain. His name on a tax bill meant more than a whole army of collectors. Everybody in Cairo and Egypt knew Ali ben Lekerk, and everybody dipped a fez to him. And that's exactly what I wanted to do when Rinchy led me into a room that fitted the old man like a book. It was complete with incense, fountain, and native music drifting in from behind satin curtains. Sheikh Ali Ben Lekerk was sitting in a chair at one end. If he'd have stood up, he'd have been over six and a half feet tall. But he just sat there and waited for me to come over. Uh, good evening, Mr. Jordan. Thank you for coming. That is all, Rinchi. As you will, Master. I have heard of you, Mr. Jordan. It pleases me that you have come to my home that I may meet you in person. And I've heard of you. <laughs> Good, I hope. I've always tried to be fair. Well, it isn't often that, a, uh, that I'm invited into the home of one of Egypt's most influential citizens. <laughs> Religious customs are different in all parts of the world. I regret that ours make such an issue of unbelievers. When I visited your country, there was no such differentiation. Why are you here? For what reason? Please sit down, Mr. Jordan. I must explain. And at the same time, I must confess to being an old man. 
That is an issue I find difficult to make terms with. Nevertheless, for some time now, I've been compromising with my age. And as an act of pride, I have planned to record the history of my noble family, the House of Mutakar. Um... Uh, you have a question, of course, for this is news to you. Yes, there was a pharaoh, King Mutakar, the first of my people. Of him I know very little, but it would please me and make me happy as an old man to complete the record of my ancestors. The history of my family will be revealed in hieroglyphics to be read at his uncovered and unrecorded tomb. Tomb of Muta Khan? I've never heard of it. As I say, it is unrecorded. Why, I do not know. But at the pyramid, I will find an answer. But a pyramid? Where is there such a pyramid? Where is such a pyramid? In the lands of the desert, south from ancient Giza, where the high winds are almost perpetual, lies the mummy of Muta Khan. I've been in that area a dozen times. I never saw it. It is buried, covered with sand of the centuries. The scrolls foretold it. The buried pyramid? As I say, the Comcine is perpetual there. There is still the same question in your eyes. Since I have started to make plans for recording the saga of my noble family, I have encountered many obstacles. What? kind of obstacles? Transportation of machinery, hiring engineers. Mm -hmm. But even more, threats. Oh? I've been threatened many times in my life. And such notes and signs have always been, to my mind, the frustration of some unfortunate, maladjusted being. However, this time, it is different. There has been a violence. Do the police know about this? There has been no time. I don't understand. Observe me well, Mr. Jordan. I am... A dying man. What? The assassin's knife is foreign to my body. That's when he stood up and opened his burnoose. The hilt of a small knife was sticking from his chest. How he was still alive or what let him sit there and talk to me with that thing in him, I'll never know. The threats were in earnest. Look, I'll get a doctor. No, no, it's too late. It is a grievous wound. Who did it? I haven't much time, Mr. Jordan. You are the only one I trust now. I brushed a shadow in the darkness, and my killer is unidentified. Well, maybe if I get... Death is nothing. But I entrust you to meet my son back here in the province of Ruba. Tell him of my design to excavate the tomb of Mutakhan. Tell him that I, his father, order it to be done. Tell him that I insist upon this work so that others will know of my honorable family. Sure, sure, I'll tell him. And but... tell no one else. All right. But listen, you are disturbed by my murder. And be of good heart... It is the will of Allah. He slid to the floor and closed his eyes, and there wasn't anything I could do. Well, I got a phone and called Homicide Division and waited for them to show up. 
Sam Sapaya led the parade. He didn't look happy when he saw what had happened. And when I told him how the old man had died, forgetting the part about the pyramid, he shoved his fez back on his head. You are lying to me, George. Ah, just a minute, Sam. I've told you the truth. But not enough of it. You omitted some small details, details such as Rinchi Adel, why you came here, for what reason Lecoq sent for you. <laughs> Sergeant. Yes, Captain Shabai. A servant, Rinchi Adel, is to be questioned in connection with this case. Alert communications. He is somewhere in Cairo. Right away. And, Sergeant, the newspapers should not be notified of this occurrence. I understand. No one is to be told that Shak Allah ben Kerak is dead. Yes, sir. That is all. That is all. Well, Sam, I'm not going to try to figure your moves because none of it makes and sense I to me. And I am conducting the investigation, you hear me? I do not want news of his death to be released for the present. You've got a reason. I have. A very good one. Well, do I stay around here? Am I under arrest or what? You may go. Good night, Sam. I'll see you later. Oh, Jordan. Huh? As you forget the news of the death of Jacques Ali Ben Leclerc, also forget the unrecorded tomb of King Mutakan. What? And whatever reason Shaq Ali Ben Lekirk had for calling you in and speaking to you of Mutakan is also to be forgotten. How did you know about it? The Egyptian government forbid Lekirk to excavate. What is unrecorded is best left unrecorded. What is uncovered thus far is best buried. Yeah? What if an old man Ali died? Ali Ben Lekirk has been murdered, it is true. It is obvious his servant that disappeared, Renchi Adel, is guilty. Oh, you jump at a lot of conclusions. There is one conclusion alone that concerns you. Do not under any circumstances reveal the death of Lecoq. And do not pursue this matter any further. Okay, Sam, from here on out, it's a police affair. Exactly. Good night. Then I had no way of knowing what Sam had in the back of his head or why he wouldn't talk. I guess I was sore when I walked out of there. The old man died because someone didn't want him to dig up a pyramid. Sam Sabai seemed to go right along with the idea. But trying to forget the picture of an old man with a knife between his ribs, living long enough to tell me about his family and what it meant to have that tomb uncovered, was another thing. So I decided to go to the province of Ruba and look up the sheik's son. I threw a few things in a suitcase and went over to the station. I was waiting in line to get a ticket, but a blonde girl saved me the trouble. She had a lot of blue eyes and a lot of white teeth when she talked. I followed you from the Sheikh Ali Ben Lekhoek's home. Huh? You were there less than an hour ago. There were others, too. Police, I believe. Oh, you get around. What did I have for breakfast? Then you went to a cafe tambourine. I learned that you were the owner of the place. Your name is Rocky Jordan. And I'll bet you followed me here to the station. You are buying a ticket to the province of Ruba? That's right. Anything else, lady? Your trip is unnecessary. Yeah? The Bakir, son of Sheikh Ali Ben Lekerk, awaits you at Shepherd's Hotel. Huh? I am Katila, the wife of Bakir. Shall we go? Uh, yeah, let's go. And we went to the Shepherd's Hotel, Suite 609 to be exact. The sheik's son, Bakir, turned out to be a streamlined version of his father. He was about six and a half feet tall, big-boned, only his hair was black, and he wasn't wearing a burnoose. He was done up in brush clothes. And you could tell where the sweatband of his pith helmet had stopped the sunburn. Come in, please. Come in. So this is the fellow, huh? Darling, this is Mr. Jordan. Mr. Jordan, this is my husband, Bakir, son of Ali Ben Lekirk. Uh, thank you for coming, Jordan. I suppose I have some explaining to do. A drink? Oh, not right now, then. My dear? Mm, no, thank you. Darling, don't you yes, think... Yes, good scotch is a lost cause out in the provinces. And ice is pretty hard to fly in from the mountains. 
Chilo and I came in tonight from Aruba. My father asked us to make the trip. It was a secret trip. We went from the airport to the sheikh's home. There were police cars there. You didn't go inside? My father has an old saying. Sidestep trouble so you can attack it from the rear. And you were the first to leave the house, so I, I followed to see who you were. By the way, did you ask him if he's a policeman, my dear? I run a cafe over by the mosque Sultan Hassan. Oh, I'm not a cop. I sure met a lot of them tonight. You uh, people don't know what's happened yet, huh? What has happened, Jordan? Your father's dead, Buck here. Dead? Oh, no. But he was alive. The doctor said he had a good five years, even ten he left. Didn't he didn't just die. He was assassinated. Sheikh Ali Ben was assassinated. He called me in tonight. He explained a plan he had to dig up an old buried pyramid. A tomb of Mutakan. I told him that it was absolutely ridiculous. Then you know something about it? Of course. He wants that tomb excavated so the family history will be completed. But how was he slain? Stabbed. He sat there and told me all this with a knife sticking in him. I didn't see it until he pulled back his robes. Who would do such a thing? Who Easy, would... darling. He said he'd been threatened ever since he made plans to excavate Mutakan. The police are looking for a servant, uh, Rinchi Adel. I don't see how he could have done it. This but... message about Mutakan exploring it. That's what my father asked you to tell me? That's it. He died for that. He died just for that. Darling, please. It's a rotten way to die. It's a rotten thing to die for. Oh, if you only knew, Jordan, if you only knew. He thought a great deal of it. And when you dig it up, but maybe... But here will never excavate the tomb of King Mutakan. What? That's right, Jordan. Never. But your father Good ordered... Good night, Jordan. Thanks for your help. Now, listen to me. You could have seen him staying alive just long enough to tell me. <coughs> enough. I've heard enough about Mutakan. Get out of here, Jordan. You've delivered your message. Now get out. Everybody had something against old King Mutakan. For a guy who lived three or four thousand years ago, he wasn't very popular. After hearing the Sheikh's son talk the way he did, I quit trying to figure out any of it. There was something that had to be told, but it didn't look like I was going to hear it. That is, until I'd uh, been home a couple of hours and had a couple of drinks. That's when Katila sat on the stool next to me. Hello. Order up. It's about closing time. I didn't come in for a drink. Yeah, that's all we got here. Drinks. No answers, no nothing else. I know what you're thinking, Mr. Jordan, but it's not the way it looks. Believe me. No, it isn't? All right, then. How is it? Buck here isn't denying what his father wanted, what, what his father died for. The sheik says uncover that tomb. It means a lot to me to have a complete history of my family. Bakir says I won't do it. The sheik's dead. Bakir's alive. Yeah, I did what he asked me to do. You think Bakir should undertake the excavation of Mutakan, don't you? What do you think, lady? I think you're an American sentimentalist. And I think you're in the wrong land to practice sentiment of this sort. Look, I saw him die. But you're to be admired, Mr. Jordan. Because I'd feel the same way, and so would Bakir. If we didn't know what we do. Can you make it right? Listen to me. There's one thing you don't know. <laughs> a lot of things I don't know. Ben Lecaire lived in a world removed. Every action in his life was prompted by his own father and the proud record of the desert tribes of his family. And he liked that record. He wanted to get it all. That's just it, Mr. Jordan. And that's why I'm here. Here, look at this hieroglyphic. The single picture of a man with his head set on his shoulders looking backward. Yeah, so what? It is from the tomb of King Mutakan. All right. Don't you see, Mr. Jordan? 
everyone but the Sheikh knew of this, knew what will be found if the tomb is ever excavated. What do you mean? King Muta Khan, the illustrious founder of the tribe, king of the deserts and protector of the weak, lived and died a coward. <laughs> are listening to The Coward of Mutak Khan, today's adventure with Rocky Jordan. Have you ever been out on a stroll Sunday evening at 8.30? Well, we suggest you spend that half hour beside your radio. But if you should be outside enjoying the night air, promptly at 8.30, you'll hear a familiar sound. It's the whistler calling you to excitement, to suspense, and another strange story about people who have stepped into the shadows. Yes, most of the homes you pass on your evening stroll will be listening to The Whistler. And if you want to spend a thrilling half hour with a fine story, you'll be in your living room, too, listening to tonight's story called The Hermit, The Whistler's Strange Tale, tonight on CBS. Now we return you to Cairo and today's adventure with Rocky Jordan. The Coward of Mutakan. Well, when Katila came in my place and told me why nobody wanted that tomb dug up, it all began to make sense. Sam knew what they'd find. The Egyptian government, who thought a lot of the old man, wouldn't grant a permit. Bakir and Katila, everybody but the old man, seemed to know the story. Yes, somebody killed him to stop him from finding out. That part didn't make sense until Sam Sabayo walked in the next morning. Jordan, I wish to talk with you. Okay, Sam. I've just left Bakir. You informed him of his father's death. That's right. Against my orders. I had a job, Sam. The old man asked me to talk with him. You know the reasons why Mutakan will not be excavated. Yeah, I know. But it doesn't seem worth murder. But, uh... Jordan, let us consider each other for a moment. We are both prone to temper. I've come to apologize for my curtness last night. Ah, uh, you don't have to, Sam. You were doing what you thought best. It is more than that. I must find Rinchi Abel. You still think he killed the old man? I'm certain of it, Jordan. Well, I'm not. Ali Ben Lekirk was destined to die very soon. Cancer. But he had every intention of living long enough to unearth the mummy of Mutakan. And they tell me when he made up his mind about something, he was pretty sure of getting something done. Exactly. The servant, Rinchi Abel, realized this. And he also realized that it would grieve his master into an unhappy death if he were to discover the truth of Muzakan. Are you trying to tell me that Rinchi stuck the knife in the sheik, then came and got me? Exactly. Ali ben Lekirk was destined to die. Rinchi Abel reasoned he would die happily without the disgraceful news of Muzakan. So he waylaid his master. Ah, oh, that's crazy. It is hard for you, a Westerner, to understand this matter of destiny, but I believe it is so. I believe that Rinchi slew his master to prevent him from knowing the disgrace of King Mutakan. And I'd like to hear Rinchi's version. The chances are you never will, nor will anyone, Jordan. Rinchi Abel, in all probability, has destroyed himself by now. Is that the will of Allah? It is a way of life that you would not understand. As soon as we find the body of Rinchi Abel, Cairo will know of the death of Sheikh Ali ben Lekirk. All right, Sam, but I still don't understand it. I didn't expect you would. Good day, Jordan. (laughs) 
All that day, I sat and thought about what Sam had told me, the reasoning behind LeCurk's death. There was too much left over and too much left unsaid to make it gel. But there wasn't anything I could do. At least I thought there wasn't anything I could do until I heard a knock on my office door. For the second time in two days, there was a Muslim in the tambourine, and he still wasn't looking for a drink. Yeah? It is I, Effendi. Rinchy, get in here. Please, Effendi, listen to me. I am a wanted man. You bet your curled-up booties you're a wanted man. Oh, mercy, Effendi. Listen, Buster, they're looking everywhere in Cairo for you, and they're going to keep right on looking until they find you. And you better have a pretty good story to tell, because I don't think they're going to listen to any B-plots. A moment, a moment. You, Effendi, were the last to speak with my master before he died. You knew he had a knife in him when you took me there? Of course. It was I who ministered to him the night before when he was attacked. You mean he lived 24 hours with a knife in his chest? As Allah is my judge. I found him lying on his street near his home. I carried him there and bathed his wound. Why didn't you call a doctor? I wanted to call a physician, but he wouldn't allow me. And to extract the knife would have meant instant death. My master was a strong man, and he lived a strong life. He had many small details he wanted to complete before the end. And you helped him? I did as I was commanded. Did that include getting hold of me? Yes. His last command was when when he dismissed me in your presence. Well, the police think you did it. But why a humble servant like myself? Because you knew about Muta Khan and didn't want him to find out? No, no, I knew of the coward, but I did not slay my master. Hear me, Effendi. I did not do it. All right. Supposing you tell me who did kill him. If I knew, I would avenge his death. You're still number one. For myself, I do not care. My life ended when my master died. How did you know about Muta Khan being a coward? The photograph of the hieroglyphic. A face turned backward. Such a revelation would truly have made my master's death unhappy. Well, that's easy to figure. Well, now where are we? Ah, the true story... Of Mutakan. Oh, I'm sick of hearing that. I've already heard it a dozen times. I know the truth. All right, what is the truth? The pyramid is not the victim of sand erosion or high winds. It is buried because it was erected underground. What? That is so. The elders who constructed it because a pharaoh must have a pyramid did so purposely, hoping no one would ever find any trace of a man who lived as dishonorably as did King Mutakan. Yeah, he was a real eight ball. All right, go on. In the tomb, there is no mummy. You've been inside? No, but those who buried him buried him alive and left no record. For King Mutakan committed the crime above all crimes, Effendi. For the love of the daughter of his enemy, he sold his own people into slavery and slew his own... Get down! Rinchi Abel never finished the sentence. He was dead before he hit the floor. Whoever stuck his hand in through the window knew how to shoot, knew what he was shooting at. And he knew how to make a getaway. Well, that's when I stopped trying to figure Egyptian theories on honor and family and kings. I left Rinchi lying on the floor of my office, told the boys who came up the stairs to notify Sabaya and tell him I'd be around later. I had some practical figuring to do and a couple of stops to make around town. First, the Egyptian War Office, Hall of Records. Second, the British Army Headquarters and a colonel who'd been with Monty's 8th Army. Third, to the airport, where I grabbed the first plane out for the province of Ruba, which, strangely enough, turned out to be exactly two miles by horseback from the site of the buried tomb of that old bum, King Musa Khan. (laughs) 
Allie Ben LeCurk had been right about one thing. The high winds did blow there all year round. But it hadn't bothered the guy who'd had a bulldozer and tunneled under the sand and built a concrete passageway right down to the entrance of the tomb. I didn't know who he was, but he left his horse tied up right by the entrance. Stand where you are, I have a gun. Oh, easy, Sam, easy. It's me, Rocky. Jordan, what are you doing here? Same thing you are, looking for some answers. I told you, Jordan, this is a police affair and I will not be interfered with. Yeah, sure. Only it looks more like an espionage job, something for the army boys to handle. Well, all right, you are here. Come on. Well, I'm uh, glad I found you here, Sam. Makes your double talk back in Cairo look straighter. Jordan, ever since the war, the Egyptian government has been anxious to discover the cache where Rommel's army hoped to resupply themselves and enter Cairo. And this is it, eh? The tomb of old Muta Khan. Exactly. This is the main chamber where the mummy would have been. Hmm, some mummies. Offhand, about uh, 200,000 rounds of ammunition, machine guns. Fuel oil, preserved foods, everything a fast-moving army cannot carry but could pick up and use. Yeah, right on top, nothing but a load of sand. The entrance you came by can be sealed easily and camouflaged. We have been watching it since the war. You mean some of Rommel's men might still be around? Yes. Some of Rommel's men are still around. What? I shoot very well. Mr. Jordan can confirm that. Oh, yeah, that's right, Sam. She plugged Rinchy Abel back at the tambourine. Now that both of you know that Bakir and myself were the agents for Ramel, I hope you will die happily and quietly. Bakir? He's an Egyptian of noble birth. Yes, Captain Sabayev. I am an Egyptian. Bakir, son of Sheikh Ali ben Lekerk, province of Ruba. <laughs> Departed from Muslim practice out of necessity. A most unworthy son of a most illustrious father. <laughs> you look disappointed, Captain Sabaya. Haven't you ever heard of a traitor before? Don't tell me you don't know anything about cowards. Stop it, Bakir. This will accomplish nothing. It's all right. I know what I'm doing. Maybe you have something to say, Jordan. You're always so full of talk. You want me to beg for my life? I'd like that, too. Bakir. Do you know what you have done? Let's get rid of these two, Bakir. The noble Sabaya has asked me a question, my dear. He wonders if I know what I've done. I tell you... Shut up. I've sold out, Sabaya. I sold out years ago. I sold out my country. When the Germans sent an agent out looking for a place to hide arms and ammunition, they came to the right man. They came to me. Yes, sir, it was little Katila here who clinched the deal. It all happened when I was in school in England. So, I came up with a wife. Why? Why did you do it? Why did I do it? Egypt has been good to you and your family. Why? Because it has given me a wife. Beautiful, isn't she? Yes. I see now. You see what? Tell me what you see before I kill you. Your real name. What is it? Mutakan. Pig. Vile pig. You killed your own father. What? Stand back, Bakir. I've had enough of this. I killed as my... As surely as if you had assassinated him with your own hand. Rinchi Abel did that so he'd never find out about... Katila. He was going to excavate and we would have been discovered. I, I killed you him. You Katila. Let go, you fool. Let go. Let go. Let go. This was a 
good place for me. For him, too. Yes, this was a fitting place for both of us. Two cowards, the first and the last. History repeats itself, Captain Sabaya. All I had to do was read the scrolls to find out how it would end. To find out how it would end. <laughs> CBS at this same time next week for another story of adventure and intrigue when we take you back to Cairo and the Café Tambourine run by Rocky Jordan. Rocky Jordan, starring Jack Moyles in the title role, is produced and directed by Cliff Howell with original music by Richard Orant, conducted by Ivan Dittmars. Tonight's story was authored by E. Jack Newman under the supervision of Gomer Cool and Larry Roman. This is CBS, the Columbia Broadcasting System.